from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. Americans are redefining a middle-class lifestyle and why they can't reach it. I don't know. I'm not middle class anymore. I went from just being poor to unbelievably wealthy. Wow, good for you. I am like the Tucker Carlson. Oh, wait, never mind. (laughs) Nobody's like Tucker. Uh, Timed entry at Mount Rainier. A little unusual. I got a text message from Frank Shires. He was deeply upset about this. But you know what's not unusual? Mr. John Curley. Thank you. Hanging out. Remain seated. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tuesday afternoon. How are you, Mr. Curley? Are you well? I am great. Thank you for asking. Hello, Spike. Hello, John. Deep in the midst of prepping for my show, but taking some of the valuable time and giving it to you guys. Sure. Appreciate that, buddy. John. I love uh, love, the brick brack, the roundabout, the ballyhoo, the... the, uh, that's three. Malarkey? That's the malarkey? Can I throw malarkey this in there? Is no. John at 90 years old, giving <laughs> yeah. us all of his fun talking points. Speaking of boomers, by the way, uh, John, I got a text message from Frank Shires on oh, my yes. way into the studio, and he mm-hmm. sent it to not just me, but also Diane Duthweiler at the huh. news desk. He said, I don't know if you heard about this, but it's a pretty big deal. I said, oh, Frank Shires. Obviously, this has got to be a huge deal. That's right. He said, especially for those of us who want to visit Mount Rainier National Park on a whim, people need to start making reservations starting tomorrow. This is the first time this has ever been done in the state's entire history. And I Mm. thought, obviously, we need to talk about the fact that reservations are a thing that people need to make now to go see a mountain. Right? Right, John? It's a travesty of justice. Yeah? (laughs) I don't know why i guess because it has become so popular and more more people are hiking and more people want to be able to go there and it, it, the trails can get too crowded so they just want to try to you know create some sort of system in place whether it people actually deal, do it or not is it a yeah big, well part of it is also people have more time uh you know just working from home or hybrid, hybrid working so people are being able to do some more hiking and it's become something that people really enjoy doing it's gorgeous and as word spreads through social media oh you should come and look the flowers are out and come to paradise more and more people keep coming up there so what it's, will persuade them we'll stop them will, will be the car break-ins so that'll slow down <laughs> that'll help <laughs> So let's champion that. Uh, you know, it's becoming far more common to do anything that's a public and free event. It's not free, by the way, to go see Rainier. You still need a park pass mm-hmm. to go do that. But now you've also got to queue up and reserve a time. They're just trying to control the flow because everybody all. seems to come it, at the exact same time. Am I out time. of touch with what is a big deal these days? Like, oh, I, we got reservations at Dorcia. You know, like that's a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, John, the, can you get us a table at Mount Rainier? Yeah, no, you know people. <laughs> you know a hey, ranger down hey, there? Hey, John, I you think, think you get us a park Mr. Mr. Lincoln might help me remember there you where you are <laughs> in line. My good yes. friend, Mr. Lincoln. I just, <laughs> but this is my thought about anything. I don't wait in line for restaurants. If the restaurant is full, I go somewhere else. I don't wait in line for food. If they, Oh, it's going to be an hour before we can get a table thanks see you some other time i leave right yeah Mm -hmm. in my mind it's when i when i look at this or i look at people's response to this i just think okay well there's a lot of people that want to go around mount rainier Mm -hmm. and so now you got to time it out so there's not you know a a 30 minute backup as you're trying to go through i don't know the sunrise corridor right right and it's a safety factor a safety issue involved you know Keep keep and mitigate the amount of overflow into the roads or the or the trails, as John mentioned. And it's not like you can mm-hmm. go to another mountain. I mean, you don't want to go. You don't want to wait in line at a restaurant. You go eat somewhere else. 
John, you, you ever, drive John, down to Oregon? John, you ever lie about about your status in order to get reservations anywhere? You ever or you ever you ever drop the old evening magazine card on anybody? Get a seat at Daniel's. Uh, will you grant grant me three minutes for a quick story? Yes, of course, my friend. Living in Washington D.C., I told my friend who was writing for the Washington Post that I was trying to get into this restaurant. She said, "No way, no how." I said, "Well, people know me." She goes, "Yeah, your name's not going to do it in this town. You have to have a big name that everybody knows, and then you can get in." I said, "Oh, okay." So I practice and practice and practice, and then finally. I started calling up, making reservations as Tom Brokaw, and I got in everywhere. And then I told my friend, who was writing for the Post, that story. And as a fun little side, on a Saturday, she wrote a little piece explaining Tom Brokaw will never sit and will never get in a seat in this restaurant again. So she busted me. <laughs> so what? So well, what would you do when you showed up and you actually weren't Tom yeah. Brokaw? Well, it's, he would be Tom Brokaw for three. And I'd get there, and I said, uh, yeah, uh, Brokaw, 7. And, like, this is a Friday night at 7 o'clock. Sure. A, fr- a Saturday, it's, you know, 7, 7.30. Uh, yeah, reservation for three. It's, uh, uh, it's under Brokaw, I think. And I, oh, certainly. Um, uh, is your complete party here yet? I said, no, no, not. We called Tom before this before, cell phones. We called Tom before we left, and he's going to be about half an hour late. Oh, okay. They would seat us because it was Tom Brokaw. Great seats. We'd sit there in a really nice part of the town, a nice part of the restaurant, and yeah, we just wait, and then we get a couple of drinks, and you know, order. Waiter comes yeah, over, and you, you have to say, "Well, there's apparently some wait. problem in Irkutsk. Tom couldn't leave the news desk. <laughs> yes, we're just going to have to have the John, meal without him." John, yeah. do me. Let's do a little bit of a charade here for two seconds. Uh, you you call the restaurant as Brokaw, Spike. You be the maitre d. Yes, and it, welcome to Shea Bank. Can I, can I help you? This is Tom Brokaw calling. I'd like to see if I'm getting a reservation for three on Saturday. That's possible. Well, Mr. Brokaw. I know it's late notice. Yes, it is, sir. And and usually, Mr. Brokaw, we're we're six weeks out, but given the man of your stature and your importance, we're happy to fit you in. How many people would you like? Don't do anything special on my account. It'll be for three. I mean, this is a very special occasion. Discretion is our calling card, Mr. Brokaw. It'll be an honor to have you as as a guest. I appreciate it. So it'll be for three coming up on Saturday at 8.30 or two. What did I say? 7.30. 7.30. Saturday, 7.30, Ms. Brokaw. <laughs> Rest assured, your, your reservation is set. We look forward to serving you. Wait, John. We'll, we'll see you then. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Every Thank time you, you do and Then bro- you call the kitchen. Get the good beef out. Every time you do a Brokaw, John, it's almost mm. like he's struggling to breathe. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Every That's the secret. You have to start <laughs> with very little, very little bit of air. A little bit of air to begin with, and then you work your way out from there. I always, I always <laughs> went with, uh, so you're Abe Froman, sausage king of Chicago. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, it worked for a while. It worked for a while. <laughs> Americans are defining a middle-class lifestyle, and they can't reach it. Now, John, it, with, you know, I know John. You're you're a everyman. You're here working for the middle class individual, right? But the more mm-hmm. that I talk to a lot of my friends who are my age, a lot of them have run into the same problem that I run into, which is they say I'll probably never be able to buy a house or afford right, a house because right. the interest rates are so high. Uh, in this poll that was taken, most people they're saying, "Well, I need a secure job in order to be part of the middle class." Some people mm. need to be able to afford an emergency with a thousand dollar expense without debt, having health insurance, retire comfortably. Has the American dream shifted in your estimation, and has it shifted in the right direction? Because looking at this, this poll, I'm looking at basically people saying, I just don't want to suffer miserably in the streets. Like, that's the Mm. new American dream, right? It's no longer house, kids, whatever it might be. It's ability to pay all the bills on time without worry. That's 90% of respondents to this survey 
Curious yeah. what you think, Mr. Curley. Well, listen, the survey is all predicated upon future, and most people are negative when looking towards the future. So yeah. you're just playing on that sort of reptilian part of the brain. What do you think the future is going to be? We have enough money for healthcare. Oh, my God, something horrible is going to happen. We have enough money for this, enough money for that. If you just simply are better about how you control your expenses, you do better off. A lot of people would rather carry a 5000 bag with $100 in it than a $100 bag with $5,000 in it. So it's just a matter of where you spend your money. And if you're better about it and you keep control of it and use compounding interest, the greatest miracle in the world, then you'll be okay. But you, how do you think you're going to be? Who? I want a secure job. You want to, you want to control the future? You can't. No one has a secure job. Nobody. And the fact that that's what you decide whether or not you're going to be middle class based upon how you predict you're going to be in the future, of course, you're always going to get negative response. And the reason they always say, oh, the middle class is shrinking. Yeah, you're right. You know why it's shrinking? Because people are moving up. People are making more money. They're moving up for the middle class. Now, they, those that have moved up are also getting whacked with Bidenomics, so they don't have as much money to spend. I was going to say the number what? of people. The number of people take. Let's say. Two, let's take two thousand nineteen dollars. Okay. Okay. In two thousand nineteen dollars, a ten percent of the workforce or ten percent of households made a uh, hundred thousand dollars. That's using. Uh, 2019 dollars. 1967, 10% were making what we'd see to be 100,000. Now it's a third. So that means a third of households are now earning in 2019 dollars 100,000. So mm-hmm. we've seen a three percent, a three time increase. So people move up out of the middle class. They come down, but they go up. So yes, the middle class shrinks as more people make more money because households are changing and also the demographics of Americans are changing. We're older, husband and wife both working, both in their 50s. That's at the top of their revenue uh, generating years. So you see those numbers move all over the place. When you see this study, it's just like, oh, it's so sad because all the negative news gets all the news. I would say though, John, that the probably one of the reasons why the middle class is shrinking is one because of covid and then two because of paul ryan's tax plan and then three because of well, what the, do you mean shrinking i just told you it's going up why do you say it's well shrinking? because people drop people can also drop out of it right people, sure they do they, they don't Surely. They, not always the upward mobility in the united states is I think more difficult than more people give it credit for, right? Absolutely. Right. So husband and wife, both married, both earning, let's say, seventy-five to uh, maybe $90,000. The husband passes away or retires. The income now goes down by 40 50%. So now they slide back down again. But just generally overall, you always have to take all those factors in. How old is the household? How many people are in the household? How many people in that household are actually working? That's the weird thing about their studies. It's always household. Well, that's not fair. Because what if you have one household, one person in one household, you got four in another where they're comparing those two households. It should always be individual, but they never do those numbers. So when I go on, you know, John, I, I, I go on Reddit and I look at people who are they're trying to deal with their finances or they're they're trying to navigate being poor. More often than not, what I see from people is I had a job at this place. I was making eighty thousand dollars a year. I lost that job. I have not been able to get another job for six months, eight months. I've eaten through all my savings, so on and so forth. So, Thanks for not mentioning me by name. You're though. welcome. You're that. very welcome, Spike. <laughs> really gracious and kind so of you. What I see from people, and maybe this is my this is anecdotally biased about this because of my age range, but what I see from people is I'll never buy a house. I'll likely won't be able to have more than one or two kids. I will not be able to afford uh, 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 the, the ability to retire. I don't know why anybody would want to do that. But mm-hmm. there has been this shift where people are basically like the American dream to me, or at least what I see from people in my age group has become a very different set of definitions, regardless of the mobility that we perceive to be in the United States. I see people getting poorer, not wealthier. Right. 
Well, listen, $84,000 is not 84000 It's $56,000 plus additional taxes. Oh, you're talking. Yo, I know, Mr. Curley. I, I, Uncle Sam, always I am his net. favorite nephew. <laughs> always go net. Never go gross. That doesn't mean anything. Plus, right. people are like, I want to live here. I had an idea for you. Why don't you move? Uh, oh, well, we want to get a house near the water. Good. Go to the Gold Coast. Go down to Alabama. Now, there's a pretty good chance you get hit by a hurricane, but or a you can afford a house right on the beach for like 300000 right. Or you can move to the interior. Go to South Dakota. You get a pick up a home for 75000 I mean, it's not Get a exactly big home because you've got no reproductive rights. You'll have a lot of grandkids, whether yeah. you want them or not. Oh, yeah. There you go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Or just try not to, to have to have an abortion, right? right but, so, yeah, so, John, the, the, my, this is my thought about this, John. Tell me what you think about this. The The you can move argument is for some people completely unfeasible. They got a dependent parent, they've got a dependent sibling, whatever it might be. The, sure. All their services are located in a particular state. It's mm-hmm. very, you know what I mean? So the whole, well, you want this lifestyle, you can just move to a completely new state, restructure all your services, get your dependent parent or your dependent sibling or your dependent child completely. You know what I'm saying? That there is a, there are lots of barriers to the. Now I can move, John. I can put all my guitars and my mattress in the back of a U-Haul and call you as I'm driving over the Shasta Pass. John, and, can you help me move again? Exactly, no problem. There's a lot of people out there that simply don't possess that ability, and I think that that's part of what this article is talking about. Where it's no longer the idea is I'll move out west, California way. Now it's what am I going to do to just scrape by, right? And that's what I find to be concerning about it. Yeah, well, they're scraping by because they have. Their inflation has gone so high. Their dollar doesn't go anywhere. So, but people aren't willing to make a lot of uh, sacrifices like they used to, right? John Steinbeck's with East of Eden. If people are being willing yes. to just move somewhere and find something and take some sacrifice, or if they look a good hard look at their how much money they spend every single month, why do you have three different, you know, Netflix and all? The, you got three hundred dollars there. You're spending three hundred on digital. You got this. You're going out every single twice or three times a week. All that money, if you really took a hard look at it, how much money are you saving? That's part of it. How much debt do you have? Right? It's the debt to revenue ratio. They they don't want to look at that number. They just keep complaining, Oh, I don't have enough. But if you went through and you said, Well, why do you have a why why are you leasing a car? Why are you p- paying interest on a depreciating asset? Oh, I really wanted this new car. Well then screw yourself. Go screw yourself. <laughs> That's not really sound financial advice there. I, I was going to say, yeah. John, I don't know if you're taking new clients, John, but I want to be on board. Um, yeah. Is it, is it, I, I, I'd, every, I'd every session with, go screw yourself. I love it. Is it fair to say, though, that, you know, you're right, people people don't want to make sacrifices to the, no. the the life that they feel they've earned, right? That That's a fair thing to say. Have they earned it? Uh, well, have they earned it? Are they working tw- two jobs? But all three of us have been poor. I have been very, I took a $120,000 pay cut to get into TV. I paid, ni- they paid me $9,600 a year. I was poor, poor, poor. I couldn't get, uh, couldn't screw up two nickels together. But I kept thinking, well, I'm going to make this sacrifice. I can always go back to sales, but I don't see if this works or not. All three of us have really struggled, but you make sacrifices. Jack, make a sacrifice to move to, uh, to Seattle. I gave up you drugs. You make sacrifices yeah. as well. Yes, Constantly. I love them yeah. as well. Spike made incredible sacrifices when he left his radio show and struggled, had to put his ego aside and go around and do a bunch of different jobs. But you you have to sacrifice, which pe- nobody or most people don't want to do. No, so I, you know who I... will sacrifice? The guy that sacrifices will get another job and will beat you and make more money and then you can sit there and watch him drive around in a 15 year old car and make fun of him well but, <laughs> screw yourself well, good, right? thank you thank you i was well i was going to say this and, and you're right about those things but i was going to say this though um you know who also is unwilling to sacrifice are 
corporations with stockholders, and if you don't if you don't keep that stock dividend high, you're done. You know they, they're not right. well, they're not willing to sacrifice their profit margin. You know grocers who are making record profits post pandemic aren't willing to sacrifice that. They're not going to bring prices down in their markets. So I mean everybody's we can't say that just that the the consumer isn't willing to sacrifice and make I, make I, cuts. Everybody is the same boat. Corporations that don't return on investments go out of business. And yeah, if you're yeah. returning on investment, that's fine. And by the way, if you have a problem with it, why if you're a union supporter or you're working for the government, take a look at your pension and see where they've invested in the Fortune uh, 500. Find out what companies are involved in and see. You'll, you'll be the first to crap your pants when all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, your profits are down. My pensions are down. Absolutely. You know how you end that stuff, you know, this conversation? How do I end it, Andrew? What do I say? He wasn't yeah. paying attention. Yeah, go screw yourself. I, yeah, so I was going to help with the answer. I was going to help with the answer. Thank you, Mr. Curley. Great job, Curly, buddy. Move on. I just want to say thank you to John for reminding everybody of the sacrifice that I made to be a big-time local media radio personality. Yep. I gave up all my favorite things. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> And drugs. And your cats. And drugs. You. you know, the cats were after the drugs. Okay. But I gave up because I wanted a better life for myself when I was 27 years old. John's exactly right. I had to look at all my drugs, and I was like the boogeyman from A Nightmare, Nightmare. Nightmare for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, my drugs! <laughs> my drugs! <laughs> and then I became rich and successful. And sacrifice does pay off, especially when it's things that you love there you go. like drugs all right so we'll take a really quick break when we get back measles is back in broward elementary school broward where is that it's in florida yes, it and is. the thing about this is that there's more and more questions about anti-vax right anti what is my right as a parent mm-hmm. especially when it means my right to watch my child suffer and die in a hospital pretty rough stuff and also the alabama the alabama supreme court made a ruling about ivf in in vitro in vitro i was gonna mess that one up that's okay fertilization and i have an argument against the argument that the court made which is a much more sound argument okay because the court's argument is trash and my argument is better i'm not a lawyer but i play one on the radio we'll take a really quick break we'll be right back right after this Spike Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we do digital exclusive content. Today we shall be talking about Donald Trump's new shoes and how I desperately wanted a pair. And also I got an ad for this spooky two thing where you put a thumbnail and a picture in a box and it cures disease. What? Yeah, speaking of, by the way, uh, there's this case that happened in Alabama that I wanted to talk about. It's about IVF. And if you're a pro-life person out there... This is an important case because many people who are pro-life also think that IVF is very, very bad. They are not in favor of really? IVF treatment. No, 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 no. Because a fertilized embryo is thought of as being a, a human being. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. So you have very pop, popular conservative commentators who say that IVF should be banned in the United States. And even though we in the United States pay for the IVF treatments that people get in Israel, wow, isn't that fun? That here in the United States, it should be banned. They view it as kind of a dark art of science and that we should get rid of it. Now, I know many women who've had very successful IVF treatments and their mothers because of it. And isn't science so wonderful? But there are 
radical theocrats out there who desire to control your body. And so this, uh, and I say that as a pro-life person, right? Now, mm-hmm. this is an insane, insane ruling from Alabama, but I just don't think that people really can contextualize it because this is what these people want around the country. And at that point in time, then you're denying people access to a legitimate method of having a baby, right? And that's to me, is just very, very sad. And you're doing so because Space Daddy tells you. So the Alabama Supreme Court ruled on Friday that frozen embryos qualify as people under the state law. People. Now, the problem with this is, is that now they are entitled to the same rights as people, which brings me to this kind of fun game that I'd like everybody to play. Right? Okay. Let's just assume that I'm in an IVF clinic, right? Picture this in your mind. Me, Jack Stein, I'm in an IVF clinic, and it's just me, mm-hmm. okay? And for some reason, it's I'm in there, I don't know, I'm the janitor, okay? And oh, I'm, I think you're the director. I'm the director of this yeah, IVF. Yeah, I think you're I'm making a media qualified. personality appearance, right? Okay. And I got the time wrong. Whoops, showed up at 7 p.m. <laughs> on a Sunday? Where is everybody? I thought this was a Saturday. <laughs> so I show up, nobody is there. And in one room, there are 30 uh, embryos, mm-hmm. IVF, and, and being kept safely being in the freezer kept, like, for future implantation potential, like in parent. Jurassic Park, right? You know, nice right. frozen tube, right. right? And then in the other room, there's five children, mm-hmm. all under the age of four. Let's just uh, picture okay. this in our minds. And I go, well, this is a weird conundrum I'm in. There's no audience, and there's random unsupervised children here. Okay. And then all of a sudden, a fire breaks out, and Ooh. it's a massive fire. Let's say that it's like backdraft. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Kurt Russell is there. Uh, one of the Baldwins is there. It's a, it's a disaster, right? Okay. Doesn't matter which Baldwin at this point? Not really. Okay. And so I have about, let's ballpark it, two minutes, and I can either grab the pile of 30 embryos, mm-hmm. or I can grab the five children under the age of five, Okay, and I can escape with those, and I can only escape with one set of those before the fire overtakes wow, us. Wow, you can only save one room. Which room do I oh. save? Because under this law, technically speaking, if I do not attempt to save both, I am committing uh, a, a certain amount of murder, right? I am committing... I am engaging well, willful ne- negligence. Negligent homicide. Negligent right? homicide yeah, yeah. under this, right? Now, this is obscene. Everybody understands that this is obscene. But the reason that I point out this this example is because you cannot equate a, a, an embryo, a fertilized embryo that is outside of a human body that is being kept in a tube mm-hmm. to an actual four-year-old. And to do that makes you an idiot, which is not surprising coming from the fine state of Alabama. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> well, the, this... <laughs> You're right. That was going to counter. It's but, stupid. It but, is a stupid legal argument. It is a stupid position to hold. And it says that. So basically what they're saying is, is that if you have a clinic, which is an IVF clinic, mm-hmm. and let's just say your freezing mechanism shorts out and you lose those embryos, you're on the hook for those lives. Well, it's not just hypotheticals. One of the employees at the clinic dropped a tray That's my of point. embryos That's my and point. he's now being sued for wrongful death right. of these Frozen embryos who are deemed children. And the judge who passed down the ruling had a Bible quote oh, for his so justification. Great. Love the Bible quote. Which was, was he reading from Revelations or Genesis? I, I don't. Was he reading from Luke, mayhap? Some wait, nice I'm, passages in there. I'm waiting for the graphic novel so I can keep up in the Bible. Right. This is, and I don't mean to call people names, but I think that most people can understand that we should not live in a theocratic state and we, we should not be at the whim and the, uh, uh, the presuppositions of theocrats. I say this as someone who loves Jesus. 
when you have this like bizarre conception that the state should be the vehicle for your religious affiliation or your religious precepts, that is like, okay, great. Let's why don't we just have Sharia law then? Why don't we just you know what I mean? Why don't we why don't we just why don't we just go back to a total like, let's go back to religious law, shall we? Spike, if you steal from me, I'm gonna cut off your hands and then we'll dip you in tar. Why don't we just do that? Like well, this is stop stealing. There's a bunch of half measures that these people have, yeah. like you know what I mean, where they wanna have religious law, but they don't really wanna have religious well, they law. Have their religious they wanna have law. their version of right. I'm saying let's go back to the good old days, right? Let's say if you have seizures those aren't seizures those are demons and we need to drown you right i think if we're can we just go back to those laws those were great laws hey you looked at my horse weird i'm gonna kill you right you grow crops you gotta have you have a section of those crops gotta give those to the church am i right or am i right don't plant corn next to okra are are you eating lobster over there laura i'm gonna kill you let's go back to full religious law because i'm sick and tired of these people doing this thing where they're like oh i'm gonna put a bible quote in my legal briefing you're what are you an insane person? You're going to put, okay, I'm going to put Superman quotes in my legal briefing. <laughs> Checkmate. There is no God. There is no God, dog. <laughs> what is this like madness that people are allowing? Listen, I, I want all babies to be born. I desperately want it. I want everybody to have a nice, happy baby. I, I don't do. want anybody to feel like they have to get an abortion for economic reasons or societal pressure, whatever right, it is. Right. I'm not going to use the state to come in and kill you <laughs> well, I mean, to you prevent know, you from killing your baby. And they're worried in this particular case down in the fine forward-thinking state of Alabama that people are going to stop going to these IVF clinics they already have. for fear of uh, legal a- actions against them. Say you you, fertil- you save a dozen fertilized embryos and you because often they don't take and you keep trying. You yeah. know, say you're say you're, I mean say you're like my family was and I had surgery to stop my ability to have children not I had cancer. Right, so you know. Oh wait, not sexy music. Not sexy sorry. music. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Put I, on, put on, put I hit that. I hit it's all that, good. It's I hit all that good. before you said have children. You know, you know if we <laughs> had so sorry, had had we frozen a dozen embryos to hopefully have children in the future. Yeah, and we had one first try out. I don't want twelve children. What the other eleven in Alabama? I'm committing willful homicide or you know negligent homicide if the other 11 aren't brought to fruition you don't want to have a sitcom called the o'neill bunch where you teach them all how to play <laughs> instruments and you travel around the country my in idea a bus. was to paint a bus funny colors that had been done that's what i'm and saying done beautifully danny i love you i miss you um this kind of law is you, you and i disagree on our various points of view about life when it begins well you know, i wouldn't and, say it's disagree uh, i would say uh, that i'm correct about it and you're wrong th- about it but we can fine. say disagree you know but but, <laughs> but unlike the unlike the fine judge in alabama i don't think life begins at appetizers on the first date right you this know, is these a, people yeah, are really nuts. very well said this is very well said i i think that the 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 main issue that i have with this is it sets such an unrealistic standard and and here's another example i'll give people what happens when these laws get passed is you get this thing called brain drain in these states where medical providers leave. Right, they take right. off, which is why there are now red states who have passed these very draconian abortion laws. But Alabama's got the worst in the country. Total they, ban. Right. Total and ban. So they, so they lose OBGYNs. Right. And then infant mortality goes up. And right. Alabama yep. has very high infant mortality. So you can either have these draconian laws and a bunch of dead babies or you could have OBGYNs there who can safely deliver children. Right. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I hear there, you. You're there exactly are right. Far-reaching consequences outside of just hey, let's put a Bible verse in my legal briefing. We'll take a really quick break. When we get back, I don't want to talk about strike throwing spike. I want to talk about my base that I bought. Okay. I want to talk about we pitching. Talk about you want to, but I want you I, to have fun. I, I want to talk about what, what is this strike throwing machine? Robots again? What is well, this? It, it's it's baseball season. I know. I know. It's it doesn't interest you, and I get it. I totally respect that. But a lot of people in town really give a rat's. They love this time of year. Hope springs eternal is not just a catchy phrase. Okay. And it's it's baseball season. We can talk about baseball. Opening day, Saturday. We'll opening of the, of, the, of the Cactus League Saturday. All right. Let's talk about that. When we get back right after this. All right. So I don't want to talk about sports, so I'll tell a different story. So over the weekend, I hired a, I hired a private investigator. A guy, his name, it's Seamus Investigating, I think is the name of it. He's a former uh, uh, Seattle detective. Okay, okay. Um, and so I was trying to find an estranged relative, basically. Really? Yeah. Uh, and so I thought to myself, well, I've got money and I want to find this person. So I just was not necessarily getting in contact with him, but I just haven't. I haven't kind heard- of a wellness check? Yeah, I kind of talked to you about it a little bit when yeah. we hung out the other day. But, you know, I haven't seen this person about 10 years. And so I said, well, I'm going to hire a private investigator to look into this. So this guy was a former SPD detective. He worked for like 36 years. I'm pretty sure it's Seamus Investigation. Laura, can you fact that check that for me? It's like Seamus Investigation. This is not a paid endorsement. Just making sure of the boss. He's got name. a really interesting. His first name is like Cloyne or something like that. It's like a really weird. Quite the Irishman. It's a very, very Irish name. Yeah, that little uncover the truth with Seattle's premier private investigator. Yeah, that's my boy right there. Featured on Cairo Seven, CBS, Fox yes, Thirteen. That's and what now it the is. Jack and Spike show. And so I crank call, it up, buddy. I I send this guy a message, uh-huh. and I think obviously he's not going to get back to me for a couple of days. Well, it's a holiday weekend. Ho- sure, holiday yeah. weekend. Yeah, he gets back to me within I want to say about an hour. Wow. I get him on the phone. I talk to him for about ten minutes. The nicest guy. The, you know, I give him all the information I had, which is basically nothing, mm-hmm. right? And I'm thinking, he goes, okay, I'll get right on it. And so I'm thinking, okay, so in about a week, I'll meet with this guy at his office, and he'll be, mm-hmm. he'll look like Bob Hoskins and who flame framed <laughs> right, Roger right. Rabbit. And he's going to hand me a, a manila a envelope, yeah. and I'm going to open it up, and he's going to give me the whole screen. Grainy photographs. Right. This is your family member. <laughs> hey, there, there this person is. Am I right? Am I right? All right. Uh, it takes a huge <laughs> hit out of a whiskey bottle. But he's poured it into a coffee cup. It's a business. Man. It's a business. Right. Yeah. So so <laughs> he says, I'll get back to you a little bit. I say, okay, 40 minutes later, I get an email in my inbox. It says, founder. You're kidding me. Address... Uh, exactly, lo- exact location, uh, the whole nine. And then I was like, is that? And so I called him and we chatted on the phone about it. And it was the first, I, this is my thing. I'm disappointed that it was that quick. I thought it was a lot harder to find somebody. A case he couldn't crack. A case yeah. he couldn't crack. <laughs> he probably used the Google box. There right. was. Well, but the thing is, is that, and then I thought, I'm not sure if that's the right address. And then I go, I think this person might use this name, this name, this name, and this name as well. And oh, he goes, wow. he goes, oh, well, let me look into that. Calls me back 15 minutes later. Up, oh, yep, got this one too. I mean, it was, it was, and he sent me oh, all the information that I needed. That's great. And I, and this is what my thought was. This, it feels illegal to do that. It's not, but it feels like, because it's so fast, you mm-hmm. get so much information, yeah. and at, now I'm in a position of, 
I it it feels so kind of clandestine. Like I thought it was going to be the CSI DNA yeah, rifling sure. through garbage, yeah. finding a can, swabbing it for saliva, running it through tests, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tesla coils, and you're yeah. being charged by the hour. Right, right. that's right. what so I it's going to test your limit right. of how much you. And I'm sweating. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, oh man, he's like, for another thousand, I could keep looking, but I don't right. know if we're going to find no, anything. You found a really reputable guy. This I found, is great. They, I highly, if you need to find anybody, the guy did it in a very short period of time. And the other thing that was crazy about it is I kept calling him back with questions and he was like the most <laughs> like friendliest guy. It was a very difficult situation wow. to talk about. Spike, you know this. But, yeah, you gave me all the uh, dark I, details. I gave Spike all the dark details about it. This guy, he was like, yeah, I can do it for you. But the thing is, is that I thought to myself, I could do this with anybody I want to, right? My old yeah. high school girlfriend. I could find out. Don't need a private investigator. I mean, that's today's modern information. But I could find out anything I want about anybody. Where Mm. does John Curley live? All I got to do is hire this private investigator. Mm, Where does Andrew? (laughs) Screw yourself. (laughs) Hi, John. Still listening. Hi, John. I could find out where Nate Connors lives. I could find out where Andy. I could find out where Laura lives, and I could steal her cat. I could do all kinds of things, and all I have down there. I could do all kinds of things because I have unlimited resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all I have to do is keep ch- cutting this guy checks, and he could find me as much dirt it, as I want. He did all for that flat fee you paid him? Flat fee. That's, that's a great guy. Flat fee. So. I had a very different experience with a private detective, it, but this was 25 years ago. You know, times have evolved. This guy yeah. couldn't find a lost family member of ours. We, we ended up finding him through different means, kind of by luck. You found out it's a Russian mobster. No, I will, no, no, I will no. do this. <laughs> for you. I will do this for you. And if I sometimes bring to you a bag of heads, you find place hide for me? Okay. <laughs> Happy to do it, Victor. <laughs> Happy to do it. By the so, way, roses have never grown more beautifully than when they're <laughs> planted on top of a bag <laughs> that, of seven heads. That's what I hear tell yeah, is a yeah. fact. Uh, all right. Well, but it has to be seven. Seven. <laughs> We Andrew, five. A plus. Nate Connors, best looking guy in the building. Appreciate that. Look at that button up. What is that, Eddie Bauer, man? You're yeah. killing it, oh, today. Eddie. Laura, A plus. Spike, we gave you a solid C today. Thanks, bro. Solid C. Yeah. I think you did a pretty good job. Here's your quote of the day, my friends. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Do you ever do that thing where you pick up a loaf of bread and you go, Oh, ah. yeah. Oh, you know me. Ah. I, oh, I, pick up a, <laughs> I pick up a can of beans and I go, Oh. <laughs>